Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. The way uh, I think God made this happen is that I, I went through addiction, alcohol uh, addiction, for a number of years. And uh, through the process of my recovery, was connected to a, a local church and found my community that basically saved my life and, and helped me uh, helped me with the struggle of recovery. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. This is a podcast where we talk about difficult topics at times. We tell stories, and we want you to know how Jesus shows up in trauma and can really make a difference. And often as we close out the program, we talk about the partners that help make this possible, one of those being Five Stone Media, who tells a lot of stories of their own, and they provide the video portion of this podcast as well. And with me is the Vice President of Operations and Curriculum Developer, Lee Bailey Sealer. And Lee, thanks a lot for being here. We're going to find out a little bit more about what uh, life um, support is all about and what Five Stone Media does. So I'm glad you're here with us. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. I love this podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a very popular podcast around the nation. Yeah. So I, it's I'm sure it's quite an honor. By to, it's kind of an honor to be on our podcast. Um, all right, so how did you get involved with Five Stone Media? Oh, my. Um, I think uh, the way uh, – there's a couple answers to that question, but the way uh, I think God made this happen is that I, I went through addiction, alcohol uh, addiction, for a number of years, and um, through the process of my recovery was connected to a, a local church and found my community that basically saved my life and, and helped me, uh, helped me uh, with the struggle of recovery um, from, from alcoholism. And it was really this addiction ministry that connected me to the church and to Christ and, and, and to reawaken my faith. Uh, through that church, I, I met a friend who in turn, when I was at wits end, at loose ends uh, as far as work goes, um, had an opportunity to connect me to uh, Steve Johnson, the ex- executive director of, of Five Stone Media, uh, who was looking for someone with some business background at the time, and I have some business background. Um, and so uh, I think God orchestrated that in a way that uh, none of us anticipated. That's five years ago now. And um, a lot has happened in the last five years. Um, my recovery is strong. Uh, I've been in recovery for 10 years from alcohol. Um, I learned a lot of lessons about life, about myself, about relationships, and I learned a lot about God through my recovery. And I'm fortunate that I get to, um, I get to apply a lot of that knowledge uh, to my work. Yeah. Tell me about the mission and... Um the, the reason that Five Stone exists? Well, we're, we're about um, life transformation. Um, you know, my life is, I really consider my life to really have two parts, a, be- a before and after uh, story. And a lot of us have before and after stories. Um, before, 
I, I came back to my faith before I came back to Christ, before my recovery from addiction and after. And um, so um, what we do it lines up very, uh, very well with that. We tell stories to help people find hope and healing. Um, you know, so, so many of the problems of the world um, are individual problems, problems that people feel in their hearts, in their head, um, but that are unaddressed uh, because people often don't feel like they can bring their problems to others. Uh, that's particularly true when it comes to the church. Uh, we can talk more about that later. But uh, the five-stone mission of using story to bring hope and healing to people in need of change um, really defines everything we do. And every new project that comes along that we, we think about doing, we make sure that it lines up and fits in those guardrails of story, hope, healing, and change um, because there's a lot of people out, you know, most people, as you know, don't like change. And it's uncomfortable. And it, it, when, when we get uncomfortable, uh, what do we do? We, we try to find a way to get comfortable. We try to get away from the discomfort. Well, many of the problems in life don't get fixed if we move away from the discomfort. Um, so as individuals, when we struggle with something uh, and we need to change, uh, we have to really be willing to enter into that discomfort of change. In addition to that, we believe that that others in our lives, our family, our friends, our loved ones, and our church families um, need to be willing to move into uh, discomfort in order to help people with the struggles of life. There are no answers to the struggles of life without relationships. And individually, I could not overcome my addiction. Uh, individually, I can't cure myself of anything. Um, God could, but we live on earth. We don't live in heaven. And so we need someone else's help. And in order for that help to happen, someone's going to have to get uncomfortable at some point. So we, so to go back to Five Stone Media, in essence, what we do is we create resources that help people talk about difficult things and be uncomfortable uh, in a way that makes it a little less uncomfortable. Yeah, it seems that uh, Jesus, whenever he was teaching his disciples, would lead them into uh, situations that they weren't real thrilled about. Yeah, let's go out in a boat, guys. Let's go out in a boat. Um, let's go to this big crowd that has no food. Yeah. Um, let's go to this one at the well. You shouldn't be here. And he did that, so they were um, on, you know, they they weren't on firm ground. They had to figure out what he was trying to do, and that's what he does with us many times. Otherwise, I don't think we would ever change if he did, you know, we're not going to change on our own. Right. So he has to lead us to places that we never thought we'd ever go. Yeah. And that's where his best work is done. And I know Five Stone has really dealt with some difficult topics, haven't you? Mm. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, you know, starting from, from way back, the first curriculum uh, deals with his lifeblood, and it deals with uh, incarceration, reentry from incarceration. And um, we were just at our state prison last night, one of our state prisons here last night, and the group was made entirely of, uh, almost entirely of lifers, people who are basically never going to get out. Um, and you want to talk about an uncomfortable conversation. How do you design a life 
that you know is going to be incarcerated the rest of your days. Um, so that that's the very first one. This, and then and then moving into other areas um, of uncomfortable topics, uh, grief and loss. Um, as you know very well, uh, if anyone knows Paul's story, there is a there is a great deal of grief and loss in it. Um, and that is really uncomfortable, and it's very hard to talk about that stuff, mm-hmm. especially for someone who's not going through it. Um, and so we create these resources like The Worst Loss, which is a curriculum for people who have lost someone suddenly, primarily parents who have lost children, but but others too, uh, because sadly death happens suddenly sometimes, and that's a little bit different kind of grief. And yeah. so the worst loss is a curriculum for grief. Uh, caring for mental health, um, our, our big COVID project uh, was – Looking for because we couldn't go into prisons anymore and do work in prisons, uh, we were looking for a way to to help people who were struggling, who needed transformation around mental health struggles. And so we teamed up with a whole bunch of Christian mental health professionals and pastors who helped guide us into creating resources, curriculum, and other things to help people who. Uh, who are going through something. And so this is a resource, Caring for Mental Health specifically, that we take out and train churches to use. um, And and it's been really, really well accepted. We're very encouraged by the way the church is responding to this. Um, and, And that is, this is a curriculum that is designed for people to know how to come alongside each other. So it's not designed for someone who's struggling with depression or anxiety or ADHD or any of the other mental health struggles. It's designed for their family and friends and for their church family to know how to come alongside them. Um, one day I was walking out of out of church a few years ago, just prior to us developing the Caring for Mental Health curriculum, uh, and a woman, I, I saw a woman walking out of the church and we're walking up the aisle and I said, hey, Bev, how's it going? And this was just someone I know. I don't really know her. I know who she is. You know, Mm -hmm. I know her name. She knows me. I said, hey, Bev, how's it going? And she said, oh, I just wish life was over. Mm -hmm. And that, I wonder how many times that kind of a comment gets made where my first reaction was, ah, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to get out of this conversation. And then it occurred to me that, well, wait a minute. <laughs> it, she said that out loud, and she said it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I better respect that and, and care for her in a way that, that God would have me do it. And, and even though I was a little equipped from our mental health professionals to know how to deal with this kind of thing, uh, to know how to respond, it still took me, I'll bet you 20, 30 seconds of looking like a deer in the headlights Mm -hmm. before I came up with the right thing to say to her, which wasn't an answer for her. Uh, It wasn't, um, I know how you feel because I don't know how she feels. Uh, It was, that sounds like something we should talk about. Would you like to sit down? Uh, And for me, two years prior, I would never have done that because I would have been afraid and I would have been uncomfortable. And so caring for mental health is is simply our way of helping people know how to say, hey, do you want to, do you want to talk about that? 
And we provide a structure and a curriculum and videos and discussion guides for all of our curriculum that help people enter into these difficult conversations and, and simply just be there for each other and love each other as, as God has asked us to do. Yeah, that's – I think we talk a lot about churches and how difficult it is for people to navigate in church that are going through trauma or mm. are struggling with mental health. And there's nothing – I. Uh, there, there's nothing in um, believers, I don't think, that's punitive or, or, or trying to be unkind or trying to be distant. It's that people don't know what to do, don't know what to say. So when, what do we do when we don't know what to say? We just figure out a way to get out of there. Yeah. And if we could just have that opening line that you just said, you know, what a wonderful response. Then the ball's in her court. She could say, well, not right now. She could say, no, just pray for me. Right. But she was hurt. Right. And and I, I don't like to generalize about, about this kind of thing, but most of the time it is someone who just wants to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want answers. They just want someone to, to say, oh, I see your suffering. I acknowledge that you're suffering. I'm really sorry. That's part of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, let's not do that too. But um, yeah, people just want to know that uh, that someone's present. So I, I think in this area, uh, and we can talk about other other things too. But in this area, there are some lies that we believe. I think that that cause problems for us. And we believe these – we have lies about ourselves and we have lies about other people that we believe. And maybe sometimes they're true. Maybe it was true about someone in the past that we knew. And so we make assumptions about this is going to – oh, this is true in my past. So I, I think this is going to be true of other people too. And that is that um, it, it's not okay for me to share everything. It's not okay for me to, to share my discomfort or my struggle with other people. Uh, particularly at church. <laughs> um, and then th- the lies we believe about other people um, involve things like, well, I'm going to make them uncomfortable if I share my struggle with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're not going to understand me. Uh, they don't know what to say. Um, there's, there's all kinds of things we assume about other people before we even ask. Yeah. And, and so to... To be a little more open with uh, the struggle is that it's very hard for us to know how to be open with our challenges in life. So uh, I think it falls on us as believers to provide opportunities f- for people to bring their struggle. Whether that's in your – you're inviting someone over for dinner, have dinner at your house, you have a small group, uh, you're meeting at church, you're going out for youth group, whatever it is – provide opportunities for people to have real conversations about, you know, other than walking through the lobby of church saying, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. You know, that's not true. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because it's not going great for everyone. I think the other thing people are mulling over, at least I can say from a pastoral perspective, um, especially when you're talking to people on Sunday, is I don't know if I should say this because I don't want the focus to be on me. Mm. Um. You know, this is about God. But it would fit because 
this is a real life illustration, but then, well, no, the spotlight's on me. Mm. It's kind of uncomfortable. Are they going to get tired of hearing about this? Mm. And so I think that's not just me. I think a lot of people are mulling that over as well. Like, how much is too much? You know, what are the, how are they going to react to this? Are they going to think that I'm a victim? Are they going to, you know, I mean, the thing about church, it's a high-risk place because a lot of our life happens in church as a believer. Mm-hmm. It's a very important place to us. Our friends are normally there. It's where we get spiritually propped up. It's where we meet God every Sunday. The The risk is, is if somebody turns their back on us, all of a sudden it's not a safe place anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of issues going on in people's minds. And so I think what you said is really important. It's give them a pathway, offer them one. Mm-hmm. That's a safe place where they know they can go there and they've been asked to share. Right. And then they'll just share and likely probably they'll look at you and you'll be not reacting like they thought you were going to. Right. You're going to be going, oh, okay, well, thank you for sharing that. And, but people are afraid of a whole lot of different things. So you're offering them that safe place. Yeah, and something really encouraging for us is that just in, in the past few months, um, we we provide uh, free facilitator training for all of our curriculum. So if someone wants a, to start a, a caring for mental health group or a, a worse loss group or exploring a recovery group or whatever it is, um, we'll, we come out to the church or we do virtually where we provide training uh, free of charge for our resources that we provide free of charge. Um, and in the last just months, we've engaged now 43 different churches and have um, the number of facilitators is, is around approaching 100 facilitators just for caring for mental health. Churches are really engaging with this. And, you know, it's not, uh, it's not Pastor Paul saying, yes, let's go and do this. It's the body of the church, the, the volunteer mm-hmm. leaders, the lay leaders, the care ministry people who are saying, yeah, this is something that we really need. In terms of mental health, uh, statistically, a member of the clergy is the first place someone goes with a struggle, with a mental health struggle. Um, that's an un- that's a really astounding statistic to me because they don't go to their doctor, they don't mm-hmm. go to a counselor, they don't go to a family member. Statistically, the first place most people go is to the clergy. Um, so people are assuming the church is the place they should take this stuff. Meanwhile, the pastor, the clergy, is saying, this is not the right place to go. I have no idea how to help you. And and, or, you you know, you've got 30 or 40 people bringing you their stuff every week, and you are just overwhelmed. You know, one of our therapists, when we were having our our roundtable advisories with our our mental health professionals, one of those therapists said, uh, you know, pastors are doing a great job. The church is doing a great job of leading people spiritually. And mental health professionals are doing a great job of, of helping people clinically through their struggles, through their mental health struggles. But there's a giant gap in the middle where people are not cared for because the pastors and mental health professionals can't do it all. Mm-hmm. They just can't. They're mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And so um, where it falls uh, is in an ax church where uh, people just care for each other. Right. And so with our curriculum, that's, what, that's sort of what we try to do is um, we're not experts, but we know a lot of experts, and we lean on them. And so we're helping people be that, fill that gap, be caregivers for each other, 
Um, and we understand that people don't, a lot of people don't know how to do this, and it's uncomfortable. Another thing I should point out, too, is there different kinds of people are going to react differently, and everyone's got to understand that. There are extroverts. You talk about not wanting to be in the spotlight. You can put the spotlight on me all day. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I would prefer, you know, I run around trying to find spotlights for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but some people are extroverts. Mm-hmm. Some people are introverts. Yeah. And we have to make a, a, an environment where they're all comfortable to bring their real self um, so that everyone can be real about who they are. Uh, how many people sit in pews pretending that they're okay? Um, and you know when that happens, that gets in the way of spiritual growth. And it gets in the way of reaching people for Christ, too. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't be real about who I am and what my struggles are, it's hard for me to be honest with God, too. It's hard to be a light that way. And I, and I think, again, it's not a conscious, like, I'm just going to pretend today. It's also not knowing how to express how I'm doing or who can I trust to even say those words. Right. How you doing? Not very well. Okay, that opens up a whole bunch of problems. Are right. they going to put me in a room? You know, are they going to bring me to somebody I don't know? Are people going to right. touch me and pray over me? Right. I don't want any of that stuff. Right. So who do I, who do I talk to? Yeah. And I think you at Five Stone are doing a really good job of opening those doors. Now, you have a new a new thing coming, exploring your recovery. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, it's exciting for me because it's part of my story. Um, you know, recovery is, is a big part of my, my story, as I mentioned. And I, I had sort of shied away from wanting to do anything in in recovery curriculum until uh, we got to talking about all this mental health stuff. And I realized that through my recovery experience, which which is um, uh, pretty wide, I've I've had a lot of experience with different kinds of recovery groups, AA, Celebrate Recovery, other uh, other recovery ministries, Quest 180 is a a recovery ministry that I I was a big part of, or that was a big part of my recovery. through all of that, they do a great job of talking about addiction and, and change and uh, a lot of what's needed for recovery. But one of the things that was missing was some talk about mental health stuff. Um, how do we deal with what I'm feeling as I'm going through this recovery process? So not just the process. The 12 steps are great if people know what the 12 steps are. Those are they're wonderful. Um, there are also something called the eight principles of recovery, which is also great. But there's a small element that's missing, and that has to do with this, all this mental health stuff. So about half of, at least half of people who are, have substance use disorder, what we would call addiction, um, also struggle with some kind of mental health issue. And so uh, things like ADHD, very common with people mm-hmm. with substance use disorder. Anxiety and depression, very common with everybody, l- let alone people in, in addiction uh, or recovering from addiction. And so um, if we don't offer people opportunities to talk about that, uh, again, they're going to have to pretend and or they're going to have to just try to get by and struggle in the background. And then a lot of times people, I think, assume that life just is supposed to include suffering. Just life is supposed to be part struggle. And so, oh, that's just my lot in life. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to just bear it and grin and bear it. Um, And so they they will just 
kind of persist through recovery without addressing those things. Now, some of us, a lot of us, if, if you go to treatment, in inpatient treatment or outpatient treatment, you talk about some of these things. Uh, some some people come out of addiction and they, they have a counselor, they have a pro- mental health professional for a while. Um, but again, that mental health professional can't meet all of the needs. Uh, someone in ministry, a pastor, can't meet all of the needs. Uh, so what we've done with Exploring Recovery is create a system where people can talk about. It's very, very simple, but it, it, it's just a, a way to talk about these uncomfortable things again. And so a uh, website that people can go to and access this um, yeah. material. LifeSupportResources.org is the website that, that holds all of our resource library, and that's everything from we have sermon videos, we have uh, uh, discussion uh, short care videos. Uh, people can just talk, uh, watch a three-minute video and talk about a subject. Uh, we have all of the curriculum on there, including Exploring and Recovery. And each of our curriculum are designed uh, to be video-based. So everything starts with video and real people's stories. So it's we have sat down with uh, former addicts, people in recovery, and they have generously shared their story around these topics that we, we cover in Exploring Your Recovery. It's important. You're doing a great job. Thanks a lot for dropping by, Lee. Oh, thanks. Good Paul. to I see really you. I appreciate your time. You know, uh, if you're listening to this and you're saying, you know, I know someone, um, I'm having a problem, um, then take advantage of this because God sees you, God knows you, God cares about you and is giving you grace. And so don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. I want to thank our fine partners that make this possible at Faith Radio, myfaithradio.com. Again, at Life Support, you can go to, uh, for Life Support, you can go to fivestonemedia.com. And uh, we'd love to check you out here at Ridgewood Church as well at myrwc.org. And we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.